Hey, you. Thank you for joining me for episode number 126 of Better Regulate Than Never. Well, I hope you're all having a wonderful start to February. Um, when I'm recording it, this, it is Groundhog's Day, and I haven't checked to see um, <laughs> what this, what uh, Punxsutawney Phil is finding out. Um, it never really matters that much, but it's always kind of fun to see what happens if he sees his shadow or not. Last month, I had to take a test on different life coaching topics. We have to do that every year to just stay informed with the life coach school that I go to. One of the things that they want us to stay current on, which I totally agree with, is trauma-informed coaching. And I have talked to you before about the Adverse Childhood Experiences, ACEs, and that is where some of this trauma informed coaching and trauma informed education and all the things that that we're that a lot of people are being taught about is coming from. And if you are newer to my podcast and haven't listened to some of the earlier episodes, I talk about that in episode number eight. And the this subject is resilience, but we talk about ACEs and then how to be resilient, even if you have adverse childhood experiences. And I've also talked about fight, flight, or freeze responses to stress in other episodes because it really has a lot to do. That fight, flight, freeze response has something to do with how we regulate our emotions. And I knew that they had added some additions to those responses. One of them is the fawn response, and that's F-A-W-N, like a baby deer. And they use this, they use the word fawn, well, because it's also alliterative with fight, flight, freeze, and now fawn. I think there's even another one, but I'm just going to talk about fawn today because I hadn't really talked about it before. But I think the reason they use the word fawn is because a baby deer is very shy, weak, and accommodating, I guess. And so I think that's why they use uh, the word fawn. And remember that you don't have to have experienced abuse or trauma in your childhood to have a response to stress because we all have a fight, flight, freeze, fawn responses to things. But when you've been traumatized, a lot of times these stress responses can be heightened or you might overuse them because of experiences that you've had. When I read about the fawn response, it really hit home for me because it is so similar to how I was, especially in my growing up years, but I still struggle with it. So fawning is a trauma response when a person develops people-pleasing behaviors to avoid conflict and to establish a sense of safety. In other words, the fawn trauma response is a type of coping mechanism that survivors of complex trauma adopt to appease their abusers. Even if you easily stand up for others, you might find it difficult or even impossible to stand up for yourself. You might try to appease those who treat you badly or ignore your own needs to avoid arguments and conflicts. As a form of complex trauma, the fawning response is an unhealthy defense mechanism. Now, of course, fawning-like behavior is complex, and, you know, we're talking about it as a trauma response, 
but it also can just be influenced by your gender because women, unfortunately, and I, or people who identify as women tend to be more like this than I think men are. I think it's getting better, but women do tend to like not have opinions or not show their feelings because of how it's looked about. Also your sexuality, your culture, your race may influence a fawn like behavior. And for some people, because you've practiced the fawn response so often, it just becomes like this normal behavior pattern that you have in your adult life. So here's some examples of fawning behavior. You look to others to see how you feel in a relationship or a situation. So you don't have your own feelings. You look around and see how other people are feeling, and then you just do that. You have trouble identifying your feelings, even if you are by yourself. You feel like you have no identity or authentic self. You're constantly trying to please other people, whether through flattery, affection, or catering to the demands of others. At the first sign of conflict, you, your first instinct is to appease the angry person. You ignore your own beliefs, needs, and preferences, thoughts, and feelings to please others. You have trouble setting healthy boundaries in relationships. So much of this describes me. And like I've said before, I don't feel like I have, well, really, I suppose if I really looked at it, I might have a score of one or two, maybe. But mostly those 10 questions that they ask on the ACEs quiz, and you again, you can find that on episode eight, or you can just look it up online. But there's like 10 things. Have these things happened to you in your family between birth and 18? And I don't have any of those things. But people pleasing and trying to appease other people has been huge in my life. And I think part of it, because I can't really connect it to trauma, I think a lot of it has to do with that's how we were socialized. And I was very shy as an elementary student, and I wanted to fit in so badly. And I feel like a lot of people pleasing that I was doing was because of that. Because if I could make people happy and agree with everything, then I would have more friends. And this is a survival technique. And we have talked about how belonging is a survival technique because in primitive times, belonging to a group meant that you were safer because you couldn't navigate the world really by yourself because there was too many things you needed from the group. And we still, I mean, we, we are connecting, human beings are connecting relationship oriented people, like you just need to be connected to things. So anytime you feel like you won't be connected to something, it does feel like life or death in your brain. I also did an episode, episode number 21 was called Are You a People Pleaser, aka Liar? (laughs) And so think about that. If you're ignoring your beliefs and your opinions and your feelings because you want to fit in, then you're really a liar because you're lying about how you really feel or lying about who you really are. And that was so fascinating for me when I kind of came to that realization because I want to be a nice person and I want to be 
good to people or whatever. And a liar is not nice. And so it kind of helped me to start thinking about, I need to be more honest. Now I'm feeling it doesn't mean I'm mean to people. It doesn't mean that I am aggressive towards people about how I feel, but I need to be honest about that. And recently, I've been working on content for my clients about anxiety. I'm always looking up new and different ways to approach anxiety because I have so many teens and young adult clients that really want to work on anxiety. So I have been working in this one book and it talked about that there are three assumptions that all anxious people have. And one of those assumptions is over responsibility. So this means you're thinking, I am responsible for how people feel, or I am responsible for how people, I am responsible for everyone's safety. And I haven't really felt that I'm responsible for people's safety necessarily, but I'm responsible for other people's feelings. Oh my gosh, I have felt like that so often in my life. And I never associated it with anxiety, but it does make sense because I think in our society, our society teaches us that we are responsible for how other people think. Um, So often we say to kids, don't hurt Sally's feelings or you are hurting mommy's feelings. (laughs) I know I said that different times when my kids were growing up. But we are not responsible for how other people feel. That is on those people, whoever the people are, that's their feelings, and we're not responsible for them. And so we are, our society is still telling our kids and telling other people that, you know, well, you're responsible for how I feel. And think about how anxiety producing that is. You are responsible for the feelings of others. Oh my gosh. So you're always going around switching and changing things to make people feel better, but that never works. So when we think we are responsible, we say sorry a lot. Now here's the tricky part. Apologies can be good. And we need to say that we're sorry to mend situations where we have done something wrong or we've made a mistake and we want to make it right. But how often do you say sorry when it's not necessary? Have you said sorry because you couldn't hear or understand something? Sorry, can you repeat that? Have you said sorry because you have an opinion? I'm sorry, but I disagree. Have you said sorry because you were busy? I'm so sorry, I can't come. Have you said sorry because you needed help? I'm so sorry. Could you do me a favor? I'm sorry I bothered you. Have you said sorry because you didn't get what you ordered at a restaurant? I'm sorry, but this isn't what I ordered. Have you said sorry because you cried or got upset? I'm sorry I got upset. I'm sorry I cried. Saying sorry when it's not necessary can undermine your respect for yourself and can even cause others not to respect you as much. In those situations I just talked about, it is better to be specific and direct. And I'm going to start practicing this myself. So instead of saying, sorry, can you repeat that? Say, could you explain that part again? Notice I didn't say that I was sorry about it. I'm just asking for something in a specific and direct way. And it's not rude. Could you explain that part again? 
could you say that again? And if you didn't hear what someone said, instead of saying, I'm sorry, but I disagree, say, I understand why you're upset. Instead of saying, I am so sorry I can't come, say, I'm not available, but thanks for the invite. I know it will be so fun. Instead of saying, I'm so sorry, could you do me a favor? Say, I'd really appreciate your help with this. Instead of saying, I'm sorry to bother you, say, is now a good time to talk to you? Instead of saying, I'm sorry that this isn't what I ordered, say, excuse me, I ordered a steak and this is chicken. Instead of saying, I'm sorry I got upset or I got, I'm sorry I cried, say, this topic is emotional for me. I need a few minutes to collect myself. I challenge you to really look at how often you're saying sorry when it's not necessary. I am going to do this too, because as I was looking at this stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. I'm always saying I'm sorry about everything. Uh, When I am somewhere and somebody runs into me, I always say I'm sorry. (laughs) And it's not, it's weird because I didn't do anything wrong. And I am going to be more careful about that. Maybe I could just say if somebody, because I was thinking I want to be nice because I'm never mad when things like that happen because people make mistakes and I make mistakes. I want them to give me grace. So I give people grace. So if someone runs into me, instead of me saying, sorry, I need to say something like, oh, are you, are you okay? Or uh, can I help you or whatever, which, you know, I'm not apologizing for unnecessary things, but I'm also showing care towards the other person. And this isn't only just in verbal uh, communication, but think about how many times in your emails or texts you say you're sorry or use passive language when you're worried about how someone's going to take it. We do need to be careful about how we word things in emails and texts because they can't see our facial expressions or how we're um, dealing with it visually. But we still need to be careful, like reread your texts and emails and make sure you're not using passive language or saying you're sorry. And how can you replace those with some of the things that we just talked about, something that's specific and direct. Now that you're aware of it, it's going to be easier for you to spot and rethink how you can express the same thing without saying you're sorry. This will help you with respecting yourself and letting people know what you want and need. There's nothing wrong with having your own wants and needs or opinions or feelings, or don't apologize for being busy. Goodness, we all have a lot of things to do, and we shouldn't say that we're sorry about that. Just say thanks for the invite, which is another kind of important thing that you could try to do while you're starting to practice this replacing sorry. You can just replace it with thank you. Thank you for waiting. Thank you for catching that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming at such short notice. All of these things still feel nice, but they are not acting as though your opinions, ideas, and thoughts should be apologized for. If you know ahead of time that you're going to have a tough conversation where you might be tempted to over-apologize, which would be any tough conversation I have, I'm going to want to over-apologize, Rehearse some lines that you can use instead, like think about, you know, where you might say sorry, as you're imagining it, and what other words can you use instead? 
And then when you choose those, like choose a few different alternatives to sorry, and then practice them ahead of time so that when you're in the actual tough conversation, you will have just experienced or thought about some words ahead of time that will just hopefully work naturally into the conversation and you won't really have to overthink it. So whether over-apologizing is part of a trauma response for you, or you were just people-pleasing because that is how you were taught, it all comes from that primitive part of our brain that wants us to belong and fit in. Our brain sees everything as survival. That's all it's really looking at is how does it keep you alive? So remind your brain that this is not life or death. Even if people are upset, you will survive. And it's okay that you don't agree with the person or that you can't help them at this time. You do not need to be sorry for your own wants, needs, opinions, and feelings. Thank that part of your brain for keeping you safe and keeping watch over you and remind your brain that you are safe right now. Reminding our brain that we are safe is an important technique anytime we feel stressed or worried about situations. Remember that what we think about is where our feelings and emotions come from. Choose your thoughts wisely. I'll talk to you soon.